Hello, hello everyone. This is your host, Akhil Jabbar, and welcome back to another episode of SaaS District. In today's episode, we'll, talk, we'll be talking about why every SaaS founder should care about customer onboarding. Today, we have our guest, Sri Gaddison, joining us. Sri is the co-founder and CEO of Rocket Lane. They are a leading customer onboarding platform and SaaS product that helps businesses by replacing not only their generic project management and document collaboration tools, um, but they replace it to become a unique, unified workspace. Sri has spent his last nine years uh, building and scaling SaaS businesses. His last startup, which was called Konotor, was actually acquired by Freshworks in 2015 and went on to become their fastest growing product, which most of you know today as FreshChat. Uh, and then prior to building startups, uh, Sri was leading product teams at companies like Verizon, RedF.com, and Jixi. So he's got a great background and I'm excited to talk to him. So welcome, Sri. Super excited to have you on the show today. Yeah, hey, Akil, thanks for having me on. Yeah, so let's uh, let's get into that. I want I'd love to hear a little bit about your story and and uh, you know just a bit of your background, and then tell us about your maybe a bit your about your acquisition story by Freshworks because I know, you know a lot of SaaS founders get excited about you know, building their product and then being acquired by by a big strategic company. So maybe if you can share that, that'd be great. Sure. So uh, I had the you know the previous startup journey that we had was between 2012 and 2015, uh, back on the heels of. Uh, uh, being part of a startup which also got acquired. Uh, so Jixi was a, a startup, a B2C startup. Okay. Uh, after it got acquired and it, you know we had a pretty successful product, I thought it was easy to start a company and do all of this. You need to be a little delusional to start up is what I feel and I was at that moment. So uh, you know, got a couple of my friends together. Uh, we started building this B2C chat product first, which we quickly realized rather than uh, you know going up against the very well funded uh, other b2c players we maybe have a chance at building something unique and different in the b2b space which was a messaging sdk for other mobile apps so that's what we built in our last venture uh, had fairly good success in uh, some geographies in in north america we had just two uh, key customers. So we had like uh, Target and 1-800-Flowers using us at different points in time. And then uh, one thing led to the other. And uh, we got to a situation where another company was interested in buying us. This was like three years into our startup. Uh, and in our minds, you know, we we had hustled a fair bit to get to where we were. And we had a lot of success in some markets, which were more mobile first. Uh, but we were also tired. We had been running it as just a three member team for the first two and a half years. Uh, no employees, just the founders, uh, between us doing everything, sales, marketing, building product, supporting literally, I think when, when we had our first employee, we already had 16 million users on the platform. So wow. it was pretty hard. Uh, and, uh, when we had one option to, uh, you know, for, for the company to be acquired. It so happened that uh, uh, in, in a chance set of events, Freshworks also came to the table, which made things a lot more black and white for us. We were like, hey, this company Freshworks is doing really well. They're growing fast. We keep hearing about them. And, uh, you know, the, the way Girish, the founder of Freshworks, talked to us also helped us make that decision because he didn't say, hey, you're not going to succeed. Come and join us. He said, hey, we need like what you're building, this whole mobile first uh, product is super important for us because the world is going mobile first. 
So we want someone who's evangelical and like can build this mobile first business for us. Why don't you folks come in and, and build what you're doing with it Freshworks? So it was laid out nicely for us and uh, it felt like a win because Freshworks was growing fast and uh, we thought we'll have access to more resources to continue on the mission we were on. Got acquired by them. Uh, then, then figured that just being inside a bigger entity won't necessarily change our tra- trajectory. Like at, at least globally, we weren't seeing huge pull or demand. Realized after a year that it wasn't necessarily about uh, just having access to more resources, but the market needs to have that demand for what we were building. Right. Uh, realized there were other companies that were doing exactly what we were doing, but for web and they were growing much faster. So did that one pivot. After that, we saw everything take off uh, like crazy, right? So that, wow. that one change helped us uh, understand what momentum feels like. And uh, after experiencing that, we thought, hey, we must do one more startup on our own with momentum on our side. And that's what we're doing now. Wow, that, that's an amazing story. So you guys were only three founders when you acquired, and that was after three years that you guys sold it? Or was that when well, the first- offered we we uh, sold after three years. We were three, just three of us for two and a half years. In the last six months, we grew from three people to ten people. Uh, so at the time of acquisition, we were a ten member team. And so, so ten member team, uh, you know, three years into it, and you've been acquired by Strategic. That's a that's an amazing story. That's a true bootstrap story. And then you know, so you, you come in now. You're in a, you know, in a corporate setting, I guess. More people, more resources, more you know, ideas. You know, a lot of smart people around, a lot of talent to work with. Um, what was that kind of shift for you guys going in? And then, because like, I, I imagine if things were going great, you know, you, I'm assuming you said, did you leave after a year and decided to build your startup? And what was the decision to say, okay, um, I can stay here with Freshworks and keep growing here. And I, I don't know what the incentives were, um, or I can go and build something else, or you could actually build something in Freshworks. Why did you decide to say, no, we're ready to go back out? Or what was the decision there? So we actually spent four and a half years continuing to build that business inside Freshworks. So we didn't mm-hmm. leave like got mm-hmm. acquired your bags and go. It was a good environment. Uh, we were in at a time when Freshworks was also small. They were like 300 people at the time. And I think we had a lot of freedom to do what we wanted to do. Uh, we also got like some of the Freshworks team to join us. They were There was like a small team, six member team that was building a mobile product as well there. So we had like certainly a bigger team that could execute. And uh, yeah, we had the the ability to spend money on AdWords and whatnot and, you know, build out that business and uh, uh, learn from Freshworks as well. So that kept us there for a while. We learned a lot over there. And then at some point we got inspired by what Freshworks was doing for the SaaS ecosystem. And we thought, you know, we could do one more venture with all that we have learned at Freshworks. And it could be like another successful venture. We could bring a new set of people on the journey with us who will get to experience that, you know, momentum and, and what it does for people who join in early. So that that was sort of the motivation for us that, you know, we'd seen what growth uh, does for people and, and for the ecosystem because Freshworks now has like a few thousand employees right. and a lot of careers in product, in, in product marketing and, you know, um, engineering uh, for SaaS products have been created from there. Other companies want to hire from there, which I think is like a very positive thing for the ecosystem. Absolutely. And yeah, that's, that's that's what motivated us to do one more. 
Okay. And and so when you guys decide, so now this is your company today, Rocket Lane, you guys help with on, customer onboarding for SaaS companies. We'll talk about that. Um, was it the same three founders um, that, that, you know, was it the same three of you, you guys now started? And did you guys do That's something, right. anything, anything differently this time? Any like, you know, were you bootstrapped and did you guys decide to raise this down? Did you guys build a bigger team from the beginning or, or how did you, how did you guys do it now? How are you guys doing it? Uh, very contrasting. Everything is different this time. Uh, it's the same team, yes, but we raised money before we finalized the idea. We, uh, you know, decided not to build an MVP, but to build a full featured product and launch it. Uh, you know, so we took 10 months, 11 months to actually uh, launch the first version of our product, which was by no means uh, an MVP, right? It's like a beautiful full featured product, which got on like the day we launched it, it was number one on product hunt. So yeah, that that wow. was what we went for. Yeah. And we also spent a lot more energy on marketing this time. Last time we like built and hoped that people would come. Uh, this time, nine months before we launched the product, we built, we started building a community. So we sort of had, a, I think, 800 member community at the time of launch. Now it's more than 2000 folks globally around the problem that we're solving, right? So wow. uh, so a, a, a lot of things we've done differently, uh, built a you know pretty sizable team from the get-go. So we're thinking long-term over here. We know that there is a real need for what we're building. So there's no, you know, uh, dipping your toes and seeing if things work. Instead, like we've just dived fully in from day one and, and built a team that's been executing to get us to be a leader in this new category in a very quick time. Okay. And did you uh, build this? Uh, sorry, but this last question on this. Um, did you build your community inside like an indie hacker or where was this built or like on a Slack or email list or how did you find this, this community? Yeah, this is a Slack community. Um, and yeah, we, we just, um, we didn't spend energy on new tooling. We felt Slack would be ideal because uh, people are already on Slack and active in their company's uh, Slack accounts. So hmm. even if we were to them someone were to ping them in the community they get alerted more easily versus having to figure out how to bring them back so i think it's worked well for us love it that's, that's cool well uh you know people thinking about starting a community i think slack is a great way to i agree to say it's a great way to build it um so let's talk about your company rocket lane onboarding tell us why is it important now you know because you said it's you know we talked a little bit before the show where you know we're kind of late to the show people are starting to realize now how important customer onboarding is we are focused so much on sales and marketing um, why is it so important? What operational impact, uh, metrics will this impact directly that maybe people don't realize how important it is? Yeah, the, the impact is pretty profound of you know getting your onboarding right. Uh, it is the first partnership that the customer experiences with you after you close the sale, right? And it's actually the time when the customer decides, hey, Working this vendor is with 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 this vendor is delightful, and we'd want to do more with them. Versus, hey, this was a mistake. At the first opportunity we sh we get, we should move away from this vendor. So I think how you engage, how quickly you get them to value, uh, matters a lot, right? So if you're not yet gotten them set up and onboarded in three months, then in all probability the customer is going to say, hey, this is not working out. Let me disengage. Let me focus on my next initiative. And, you know, just write off the cost that they had in, in buying your solution versus if you get them to value faster, uh, let's say you do it in under a month, they start seeing value from your product. Then you're able to 
talk about expansion very early, right? So if you're selling to mid-market or enterprise, there is a land and expand motion. So you can start focusing on, hey, what more can you sell to the customer? Can you go to more teams within their company, et cetera, right there? They're going to be happy to give you a case study. They're going to be like a referenceable customer. Uh, and essentially, they're going to help you grow faster within that account as well, right? So the NRR, which is the metric that all SaaS companies are looking at, is going to be higher if you did a great job during onboarding. If you did a sloppy job, customer success team, when they come in, they're on the back foot already. They need to focus on ensuring that you can even renew that account. So churn, NRR are two metrics that are clearly impacted. But what we don't realize is also getting a customer live faster means you start recognizing revenues from that customer faster, right? Uh, So that's a financial metric like your CFO cares about the revenue recognition. But even if uh, it's not about like the technical accounting, at the end of the year, when you come, when it comes to renewal time, if you're taken six months to onboard that customer, they're going to say, hey, we spent six months in just onboarding. You need to give us a discount on the next year or you need to give us a few more few uh, free months, right? So that's that whole conversation can be avoided if you do a great job during onboarding. Yep. And yeah, it's uh, a lot of things that it impacts. Yeah, no, those are super critical points. You know, I still focus a lot on, on churn, but you know, NRR is becoming kind of a, a hotter you know, metric to pay attention to. And that's going to kind of what's going to drive your company forward and what a lot of investors are paying attention to. Um, and I like what you said. So the moment they close the deal, they say, okay, I'm ready to trust you and make an investment in, in your time and energy with your company. Now it's got to start right from that moment on. Um, but then, you know, I wonder, you know, because you mentioned, you know, onboarding that takes three months, one month, six months. Uh, but then there's SaaS companies that are, you know, pretty, you know, maybe less, uh, you know, it's, it's, the time to value is a lot shorter. And so is the onboarding process. So maybe you can tell us what, you know, what what is Rocket Lane, you know, specifically built for? What kind of SaaS company should be thinking to use a company, uh, you know, uh, use your product like yours? Yeah, this is not for companies that believe they can do their onboarding self-so, right? This is for companies that have an onboarding or implementation team or a customer success team that's helping the customer get onboard. Mm. And typically involves at least two weeks or more of implementation time, uh, which is where you would often find that you think in your head, it's like, hey, we can get the customer live in two weeks. But after six weeks, you're still working with them. So this is a way Rocket Lane helps you Hold your team and the customer's team accountable and mm-hmm. get them to value faster with a clearly laid out path and journey and a space where they can collaborate and make things happen together, right? So right. great visibility, everything in one place, uh, great experience from your brand. And what all of this does is it makes the whole engagement more professional. It increases the intensity because people see that you're using a tool and there's like deadlines and there's you know, tasks assigned to them. Uh, and there's notifications, uh, you know, flowing from the system to their leaders as well saying, hey, this got done, this is still pending. So on both sides, people, you know, work with more intensity to make it happen, which is what is usually lacking, which is, you know, what leads to delayed onboarding because someone is dropping the ball somewhere thinking this is not a priority. This brings consistency into execution, ensuring that every onboarding happens with that right intensity, happens with that same playbook, ensuring that success can be seen faster. Right. Um, 
so you're talking from a perspective of, okay, so I, I come in, um, a sales team closes it and now it goes over to the account executive team. It goes to the, the onboarding team. But then there's also the part of, you know, thinking from the sales and marketing team perspective and how, how can they look at this? And if they're looking at, and they're part of the decision of choosing an onboarding platform. And the reason why I say that is because maybe I'm, I'm thinking of, um, as, as a marketer, I'm thinking, what's my LTV uh, or what's my ACV? And by picking the right platform, I'm, then I know I'm doing a better job, right? Kind of, you know, can see it down the funnel. Same with sales, maybe my renewals, maybe the commission structure is all based on onboarding and it does affect it, right? So you want to make sure it's a good solution. Um, from that perspective, what should we would be looking at? Or how do you guys stand out from the others, I guess, if you can answer that? Sure. So firstly, we are built to be a very beautiful, impressive product that can be used even during the sales process, right? In two ways. One, often when you're working with an enterprise, just before they decide who they're going with, they're going to ask you, hey, what does your post-sale journey look like? Uh, because they want to know that you're capable of handling them, right? Like let's say you're a startup and you approached like a mid-market customer. They want to know you have it in you to onboard them, that you're not going to fail miserably after they make the choice. So if you send them a spreadsheet or a checklist, you're going to look immature. If you send them a rocket plane exported document saying, here's the onboarding plan, you look more mature. And in fact, we even have a way you can present it on a call to the customer. We have like a presentation mode where you can interactively present the different phases of the journey that you're going to take with them, which helps them believe that, hey, this company knows what they're doing. We can work with them, right? So you can close more deals. Secondly, if you have a pre-annual contract POC that you're doing with the customer, you can use Rocketlane for running those POCs as well. And end those POCs on time, measure what's happening, ensure that you're holding the customer accountable during that phase, right? So, and, and that's another way in which we help sales teams. And I think overall, from a sales and marketing standpoint, you care about how your brand comes across to the customer, right? And I think Rocketlane helps you because we have like a branded customer portal that you can showcase. So it's going to be like success.yourcompanyname.com customer sees where they are in the journey. It's like a modern experience. So if you're a modern company trying to sell to uh, customers that that care about working with like the most current best-in-class companies, then you're going to have the the best version of yourself put forward in front of the customer by using a tool like Rocketlane. Mm. Uh, I think these are some clear ways. And of course, as you said, even from a commission standpoint, if expansion happens early, often the sales team can take more credit for that and that's something we facilitate because your success team can play offensive when onboarding has done a great job and get you that additional seats to happen within that first three months, which is when I think typically sales team gets credit for those uh, expansions. A quick note from our sponsors today, and we'll be right back. We all know that organic content marketing and SEO is one of the most important growth channels for SaaS today. It's a real struggle for most growing SaaS companies to find the internal bandwidth to get all the content done that you need for your SEO. Plus, how do you prioritize your actions to get the fastest path to results? The trick is finding the right agency to partner with. And that's why today's sponsor is Flying Cat Marketing. I really like the way they approach SEO and content marketing. 
They're full service and they have content experts, technical SEO experts, and a team of absolute rock stars. But what I really love about their approach is the following. They have a process for working with internal experts so their content sounds like it's written in-house. They follow a proven framework, which means they get results way faster than any regular in-house team. And they do everything. They don't just provide you with the strategy and let you figure it out. They actually execute it for you and hold themselves accountable for results. Plus, they know B2B SaaS, which is what we're talking about today. Their clients include ActiveCampaign, Mixmax, Hotjar, and many other big names in SaaS. If you're ready to dip your toes into SEO and content marketing, please speak with them today at flyingcatmarketing.com. Um, so, okay, I, I accept that, you know, I want to use a tool like Rockalane. I accept that, you know, the importance, I understand the value of my onboarding and I want to improve it. I want to uh, maybe optimize my flow or I want to start building on it. How do you look at, okay, I want to improve this. Where do I start? How do I prioritize what work I need to do? And what's the most important thing to cover when I'm onboarding a new client? Because, you know, time to value is one thing, but we don't know how long that would take. And then, you know, if you give them log, you know, most people, okay, here's your login information. Here's your, you know, for your users and seats. They come into this platform and all of a sudden they're, they're overwhelmed, they're scared. And then they're like, uh, maybe they, they wait for somebody else to take over, right? The marketing team or, or somebody else. Um, so you want to make them feel at ease before you're able to get the time to value, right? So what are some other words or other tasks that need to be, you know, clarified? What's the steps to get to that, you know, help smooth that process? Yeah, I think uh, a couple of things are very important. One is getting your playbook right for onboarding, right? So you need to craft a journey uh, for how you are going to onboard your customers. We have some templates that can help companies get started with that uh, so that you're not overwhelmed coming into it. Okay. Uh, and we also have a team that will onboard our customers and they will give their inputs on best practices around onboarding as well so that you're not trying to do it on your own. So we onboard our customers using Rocket Lane too. And we craft a journey that ensures that anyone coming in gets the help they need to mature their process and codify it into Rocket Lane. Uh, secondly, I think the most important thing you want to get right is the very initial part of it, like the kickoff and, and the steps around it. Uh, so. That's another area where we can provide guidance on what you do in that very first step that's going to set up the rest of the process for success. Uh, you know, how to ensure intensity as people go into that kickoff and, and come out of it energized to really go through the rest of the project, right? Mm -hmm. So those are things which I think, you know, when, when someone goes through an onboarding with us, they do learn and take away some tips and tricks from our team. And that's a mandate that I've given our team as well, that, you know, they should be learning moments for our customers when they go through the journey for us, uh, with mm -hmm. us. Um, and, and yeah, I think that's, that's worked well. We've made a lot of customers uh, successful with shortening their time to value. They come and tell us that, you know, our, our uh, guidance has helped them. Uh, so it's not purely the product. It is our team as well that, that helps them get set up and started. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So you you have you guys actually have you know resources, scripts, and templates to use on your website. Maybe we'll uh, we'll put a couple of links of those in the show notes if people want to check them out. I think that that'll be super helpful. Um, and maybe my last question here is about that, and then we can dive into the the second part of the the interview, which is the personal rapid fire questions. Um, when it comes to using you know thinking about using templates or creating templates or scripts to give over to your um, your onboarding team, what is your thoughts on using those versus kind of just allowing natural conversations to transpire? Because I've been on some onboarding calls and I feel the person's not talking to me. He's just, he's looking at the screen, asking a question and he's just kind of capturing. And, and I guess I understand they're doing what they have to, but 
he's not really listening to me and not really following like, you know, and, and then I don't really feel like I'm, he's, I'm being heard. Right. So what, what, what's your thoughts? You need guidance from a script perspective to ensure consistency, but uh, it's, it's more about making sure you touch those points than about that becoming the sole driver of the conversation. Right. So uh, essentially if you have questions, it's good to have slides with questions from time to time so that you ensure you're covering those. And But it's important to also coach the team on how to ask the question, how to explain why you're asking the question and actually pay attention and listen to the customer uh, when, when they're responding, right? Because the whole idea of asking those questions is to contextualize the journey for them after you've asked the question, right? It's not about entering something into a CRM or the onboarding tool. It's instead to help anchor the rest of the journey based on what the customer's key goals are or you know how they're doing things today and so on. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I would say it's good to have guidance or somewhat of a flow which you yeah. want to go through and have a deck which helps you keep that flow consistent but uh, not solely rely on that. Not you know You should definitely go off script if you need to. And you should, uh, you know, use that as your anchor, but not as like the the uh, entire story. The be all and end all here. Yeah, that's cool. Um, well, I guess last question before we get to the, the the rapid fire. Any last tips or suggestions maybe for SaaS founders listening in? They want to either implement a customer onboarding process or they just want to optimize their, their existing process. Anything you would tell them to, to think about? Yeah, I, I would say... Think about how your brand is coming across during that onboarding journey as well, right? Because I think if you're trying to say, hey, we are a modern company, we are, uh, you know, a friendly team, we are a uh, company that that is world-class, then all of that should reflect in even your kickoff deck, right? So yeah. are you helping your team connect at a personal level with the customer? Are you helping your team uh, sort of lay out things in a world-class way in that first meeting that the, the onboarding team is doing with your customer. So I would say pay a lot of attention and leveling up in your kickoff meetings. And, you know, we, we, I'm, I'm happy to help founders with this, uh, can put together like a, uh, webinar or something to do that as well. But I think it's, it makes a huge difference in how the customer perceives you from there, how they engage from there as well. Because if, if they're sort of, turned off in that first meeting, then you're never going to get to where you want to be. You want to energize them. You want them to feel, hey, this company is going to make me successful. I want to work with them. I love mm-hmm. working with this team. And that's what they should come out with after the kickoff. Wow. Wow. That's that's what people under-realize, right? They try to sell the tech. I think, you know, maybe they love the tech, but if they don't love working with the team, I guess that's that's literally probably half or if not more than half of the uh, the, the, the equation, right? Because I, I know myself, if this is a company, I don't care how good the tool is. If I don't enjoy working with the person I'm working with, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll probably look for the time to switch over. So that's, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Kishri. Um, How do you feel? Ready for the, the rapid fire question? Oh, yeah. Yeah? All right, cool. So we'll start with the first question. Shri, what's one activity you enjoy doing outside of work that you say gets you into flow state? Uh, I would say playing badminton. Okay. Something I... Try to do on a weekly basis. Uh, at least when I'm in India, I definitely do it every week. Uh, nice. When I'm in the US, I find it harder to find the 
right combination of people to uh, play with. Awesome. I love badminton. So forever in the same area, we'll have to play. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's one piece of advice you wish you had known? And if you can go back in time, um, I'm going to say, if you could tell your 20-year-old self, because I, you know we used to have 25-year-old. I think 20-year-old is a little bit younger, immature. I think 25, you're a little mature. So 20-year-old self, what, what would you tell yourself? Maybe I would say worry less. I, I used to be a youngster who was maybe worried a lot about how things would turn out and uh, maybe fail to enjoy the moment a little bit uh, mm. back in those days. So maybe that that would be what I would tell myself. Yeah, the worries, yeah, I love it. Um, live in the moment, live in the presence, enjoy it all. Yeah. Uh, Sri, what are some of the biggest challenges you guys are currently facing in order to continue to grow uh, Rocket Lane as you are right now? Meaning what's keeping you up at night these days, if anything? I think uh, one of the problems we have as a new category is people don't know what this can do for them and they don't uh, know this exists, right? Like they don't know what it is and uh, know that it exists. So in that sense, getting in front of as many people as possible to showcase what we do is something I you know, think about, worry about, like how do we do that? How do we ensure that more people can see what we're up to? Because the moment someone sees it, whether it's a customer success leader, a CCO, or a founder, uh, they love the experience and it becomes something that they want. But for us to grow rapidly, I think a lot more people need to understand there is this new kind of collaborative onboarding experience that can be delivered to their clients. Right. So the, the education part, eh? just letting more people know, yeah, aware of the, the, the possibilities, yeah. Um, who or what are best the best three resources? There can be books, this can be people, mentors, or people you've been following in this space who you'd say have been most instrumental to your success over these these last few years. Uh, maybe uh, I'll, I'll start with a book. Uh, uh, one of the books I read called uh, Leadership and Self Deception. Uh, very interesting read opened my eyes to how I behave in some situations. And, you know, everyone I've recommended this book to has, you know, really told me that it's it changed their perspective on how they do things, how they interact with others. Uh, so I think that that's definitely, a you know, made a huge difference in both personal and professional life in terms of how I engage with people and, uh, you know, Definitely something I'd recommend. Um, Another book I would say is uh, Made to Stick, uh, which is about how you can convey your ideas better and help them, help people remember those ideas, take away those ideas, right? So I think that's an important book for many founders as well and and for anyone, right? Because I think, Mm -hmm. you know, in a team, you have an idea, you want to convey your idea in a way in which people accept it and take away that idea as, as something they want to try out. So exactly. made to stick as well. Okay. And maybe I'll end with uh, a mentor, uh, you know, Girish, the founder of Freshworks, the company that acquired us. I think mm-hmm. uh, Freshworks is like the first SaaS company from India to have, you know, listed on the NASDAQ and, uh, you know, really made a huge difference to the SaaS ecosystem. 
Yeah. Uh, and every time I meet him, I learn something new. So it's been like a fantastic experience learning from him. And hence, you know, I have to mention. Yeah. Yeah. He's a great entrepreneur. Definitely somebody to, to look up to and, and follow. Um, Shri, what does success mean to you today? Whether there's personally, business, financial, life, there's no right answer. I think I would consider making each of our team members successful, uh, providing an environment where, you know, they experience real growth in their skills, in the challenges they, you know, have to face in their knowledge. That's what I would consider as a success. If I've given them an environment that is high momentum, that is challenging them to learn and grow every day, yeah. that's success too. Nice. I love it. So supporting an ecosystem and helping people grow. Yeah, that's what fuels you. That's the right way to look at it. That's awesome. Uh, Shri, this has been great. I really enjoyed you having on the show. I learned a lot myself as well. Um, where can you know founders listening in, if they want to get in touch with you, learn more about you or, or Rocket Lane? Uh, I'm at SRI at the rate rocketlane.com on email. And okay. I'm active on Twitter at the rate SRI, KRI, S-H-N-A-N-G. That's Sri Krishnan G. Uh, complicated, like complex handle, but uh, <laughs> that's, that's me on Twitter. No, that's awesome. We'll put in the show notes so you don't have to find complication. You can just click on the button and you guys can, can follow Sri. So thank you. Thank you so much, Sri. This has been great. I appreciate you jumping on today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for watching this episode and joining SAS District today. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the bell for future episodes where we interview top leaders in the SaaS industry. If you're a SaaS company looking to grow and unlock the true value of your business, get in touch with us at Horizon Capital and myself or one of our consultants will provide a free assessment to help you get there and hit your goals. If you have any feedback or suggestions for this podcast, please comment down below and help us improve our content for you all. Thanks again and see you on the next one.